Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to bringing our community closer to research in the science and engineering fields. My name is Megan Akesanakurti, a student from the TMM program at the University of Ottawa, and I'll be your host for today's special podcast episode for the TMM 4950 Science Communication course. For today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Sandra Ramirez. Dr. Ramirez is a senior development scientist at Canadian Blood Services and also an adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Ramirez attained her PhD in biological sciences from Universidade Autonoma de Madrid, Spain. Today, we'll be learning about her research on better understanding the contamination of stored blood by bacteria. Welcome, Dr. Ramirez. We're so happy to have you on Beat Research Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for inviting me to this interview. To start off, can you give us some background about your current research on blood contamination and why it's important? Yes, I work at Canadian Blood Services, and our mission is to deliver safe and high-quality blood components for transfusion patients in Canada. And there are three components, red blood cells, plasma, and platelet concentrates that are used to treat bleeding patients. And platelet concentrates, to maintain their functionality, they have to be stored at 20 to 24 degrees uh, in solutions that have high concentration of glucose. So any contaminant bacteria that have been introduced during blood collection will be able to proliferate in platelet concentrate due to these storage conditions. And that's what is so important for us, especially in my lab, our research is focused on improving the safety of platelet concentrates, minimizing the risk of bacteria proliferating there, and most importantly, minimizing the risk of transfusing contaminated blood components. In this case, we know that platelet concentrates the major risk. And what are some of the current issues that we're seeing today in hospitals with blood contamination? Well, uh, you might have heard that in the 80s and 70s, the major issue was contamination with viruses like HIV and hepatitis B. Fortunately, that risk has been minimized with the implementation of very high, highly sensitive um, screening methods. However, for bacteria, we have a different issue. As I mentioned before, bacteria will be able to proliferate during platelet components. So we have implemented a gold standard method to detect bacteria in contaminated platelet components. However, if the concentration of bacteria is very low, they will continue proliferating. By the time that they are transfused at the hospital, who will know what is the concentration of bacteria, they may have produced toxins, and hospitals will have difficulties differentiating the symptoms of other transfusion reactions with those related to contamination with bacteria. So that is quite a challenge then. How do the bacteria manage to survive in these stored blood samples? Well, you know, they are, I would say, quite smart. <laughs> bacteria are able to, to change, you know, the gene expression. That's something that we have proven in, in our lab. 
and they will modify the way that they grow in platelet components. Why? Because platelet components, like especially, um, they will have different immune factors and bacteria will have to resist to those immune factors. And one of the ways that they have done this is developing this mode of growth when they form aggregates. They, so those aggregates will be able to stick to the inner surface of the platelet containers that are plastic, or they can also attach to platelets. And these aggregates are known as biofilms. And biofilms have increased resistance to immune clearance. So if we have immune components in platelet concentrates, bacteria will basically resist the clearance of those immune components. They will be able to modify even the cell wall of the bacterium, and then they will make more resistance to, to this. They also develop other mechanisms. We now know that certain bacteria that contaminate uh, platelet concentrates resist the action of complement or neutrophils, for example, and they will resist phagocytosis. So we know that they are quite smart and they can survive. And unfortunately, if they proliferate, they eventually could infect a transfusion patient. So there's a lot going on there. I just wanted to clarify, what are complements and neutrophils just for our listeners? Of course, these are factors of our immune system. So if we start with neutrophils, they are part of the white blood cells that we have in our circulating blood. And they are in charge of um, recruit, you know, other immune factors. So when a pathogen enters our bloodstream, neutrophils come and they will start this cascade of inflammation, basically to respond and try to kill the pathogen. So if we have bacteria that are resistant to the killing by neutrophils, they will be able to surpass this. And complements, complements are plasma proteins. There are proteins that are circulating in the bloodstream that will help antibodies and other immune factors as well to recruit cells that can kill bacteria. But if we have bacteria that resist the action of those complements, they won't be able to, to be eliminated. I see. So one of the things that we noticed in your research is that staph is a particular kind of bacteria that you've chosen to focus on. What's different about this kind of bacteria compared to the others that also survive in stored blood samples? Or basically, what's different or special about staph that warrants your attention? A very important question for, for the research that we are performing in the lab. When you talk about staph, many people think about superbugs. But in this specific case, Staphylococcus, we have different types of Staphylococcus. One of them is actually part of our normal skin flora. And it's important to have this bacterium in our skin. It will help us to fight other pathogens. However, you can imagine if this bacterium that is predominant in the skin goes into the needle during blast collection and despite all the mitigation strategies, ends up in a platelet concentrate and can proliferate. One is transfused to a, to a patient. We're talking about patients that are immunocompromised. It can be cancer patients or trauma patients, and they won't be able to fight this bacterium that normally won't cause any, any issues in a, in a healthy person, but in a patient can be very deleterious. So that's what we're focused on in Staphylococcus, because it's a predominant 
uh, bacterium in our skin and can go into the blood components during blood collection. Now, as a follow-up, do we currently have any systems in place to prevent this contamination? And if so, why aren't they working too well? Okay, yes, we do have several strategies. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have cases of transfusion reactions, but they are not very often, fortunately. The first filter, I will say, when someone goes to, to donate blood, they will be asking questions, you know, do you feel well? Are you sick? Um, have you have dental work done in the last three days? Because when we have uh, our teeth clean, bacteria can actually go and circulate in our bloodstream for two or three days. So people who have, have you know, uh, dental procedure won't be able to donate for, for a few days. Then that's the first filter. The second filter during blood donation, people are uh, take their blood temperature just to see if they have some infections going on. Then once the blood is, is collected, there are different things that are happening here. If someone have had the opportunity to not donate blood, that is very important actually to save lives, the skin is disinfected. But bacteria are not only present on the surface of the skin, they are also present in the deeper layers and the disinfectant cannot go there. So we know that in that, needle that goes inside the, the vein, it will be some bacteria remaining there. And what we do, we discard the first 20 of collected blood. Despite all of that, certain bacteria can still ended up in, in the blood component. So the next step that we have implemented at Canadian Blood Services is the detection of bacteria using culture methods. We take a sample of platelet concentrates and inoculate into culture bottles. And those culture bottles will be incubated in a special system. And if bacteria are there, they can grow. So what happens, and this is very relevant to your question, is that certain bacteria grow very slow. Or because we have disinfected the skin, the numbers are very, very low. The concentration is low. Or other bacteria form biofilms in platelet concentrates, as I mentioned. All of these factors contribute to misdetection. So let's say that we take a sample after blood has been collected and we don't detect bacteria. However, if there are certain cells there that we miss, they will be able to proliferate. And later on, if that platelet unit is transfused, they can cause disease. So that's the challenge that, that we have right now. So, in your future research, what do you hope to focus on next? What issues are you still trying to address? Okay, so right now there are, there are two things that I want to mention. Uh, the practice that we have right now, culture in platelet concentrates, is a reactive practice. Now, we have also in the right now in the process of implementing something that is more proactive and is something that is called pathogen inactivation technologies. They have been used in Europe for a few years, and what they do is we have the platelet component and it's treated with different chemicals and then it's illuminated, illuminated with UV. And this will actually destroy any existing bacteria. So even though we have the culture right now, we are in the process of implementing something that it will be even better to destroy bacteria. That's one of the 
the focus of Canadian Blood Services. We started the implementation in, in Canada and we are hoping to complete that in the next three years. So that will really increase the safety of blood components. And for our final question, we wanted to ask, do you think it will ever be possible to eliminate bacteria in whole blood or blood components? No, <laughs> we can never say that we will be able to completely eliminate um, bacteria from blood components. But I know that we are in the process of minimizing that risk, that it will be very, very, very low. The reason why we cannot eliminate it is because we have two different factors that we cannot control. Blood components come from donors. And you know, all of us are very different individuals. So all of us will have different immune factors in our blood system that will end up in the blood component. And the bacterium that will contaminate that blood component will at the same time develop different strategies to fight <laughs> uh, any immune factors that are there. Also for us, it's impossible to predict if it will be an emerging pathogen, you know, that could happen, that will be able to overpass all the strategies that we have implemented. I have to say that we are focusing all the time in trying to, to improve and to minimize it, and that's why we will be implemented pathogen inactivation technologies, but I cannot say that we'll be able to eliminate and to bring that to zero. There is no way that we will have a sterile blood. <laughs> unfortunately, but I have to say that it's a very exciting field and I invited anyone to donate blood because it saves lives and for sure if we have the opportunity to do research to improve the safety of Canadian patients. Dr. Ramirez, it was lovely learning more about your research on bacterial contamination of blood as well as potential ways to mitigate this issue. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it was my pleasure. On behalf of our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcón, and the whole Beats Research Radio team, we thank you all for tuning in. Beats Radio is supported by the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, the Beats Laboratory, and the Department of Biochemistry, Microbiology, and Immunology at the University of Ottawa. Don't forget to follow our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube platforms to stay in the loop of our latest uploads. Wishing everyone good health. See you all next week.